Yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 337 of the Robcast. So a couple of days ago, Saturday, Violet and I head out to the beach in the afternoon. I'm going to go for a surf. She's going to be on the beach listening to some music. I'm walking across the sand, about to get in the water and paddle out, and I see a guy down the beach to my right, and he sees me, and he starts walking right towards me. So I'm right, I'm almost to the waterline, and he's coming at me from the right, like he's making a path right towards me. And you know that feeling when someone walks right towards you in public? There's like a, huh, I wonder what this is. And he gets, I don't know, 30, 25, 20 feet away, and he says to me, look at me right in the eyes, he says to me, I want you to know there are no skunks on this beach. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Oh, and his name is Jason. Well played, Jason. <laughs> I want you to know there are no skunks on this beach. <laughs> Oh, how great is that? So uh, a couple days before that, speaking of great, a couple days before that, it's morning, and I'm taking Violet to school, and we're running a little late because, you know, you cannot rush eighth grade greatness, right? So uh, I'm in the car, she jumps in, and it's about a three-minute drive to her new school. We used to do 35 minutes each way in our old life, which was two months ago in Los Angeles. But in our new life, it takes three minutes. So that's already fireworks and balloons. You know what I'm saying? That's already reason for for celebration. We are loving this. Three minutes. She gets in the car, because you never know what's coming. She says, I don't know. Do you think Breaking Bad is the greatest TV show ever? A lot of people think it is. I don't know. I mean, I like Jesse Pinkman, and she launches into a whole thing about the character arcs and Breaking Bad, how many episodes it was, sort of where it goes. And 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 I was like, well, a lot of people do think it's great. I know what you mean. But then other people are like, I don't know. I'm more of The Wire slash Friday Night Lights, throw in some Derek. I mean, I've got my own list of the greats. But yeah, it is. I mean, it is amazing how it began how it ends, the very clean line of the arc. Uh, I mean, arcs of, I mean, it's, it's. so we're having this discussion. And I was like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Sopranos people out there, a lot of Mad Men people out there. So we're having this discussion and it's just 1000% delightful. And she's talking about the development of certain characters and how she felt this went and what she thought about this. And it is just, you know, it's like the greatest. Also, side note, I'm quite excited that morning because I'm going to be getting back in the water. And in January, it rained a ton here, which, um, I mean, has its own like mudslides and all sorts of things. But it also, like, when you've been in a drought for this long, whew, rain is like, oh, it's like the earth is so thirsty. You can feel it, like the earth, like absorbing all of this much-needed water. Um, and generally, when it rains, you don't go in the ocean for a couple of days, and like all the surf reports uh, generally advise like 48, 72 hours because there's all this runoff. Everything everything gets flushed out into the ocean. And um, But especially these latest rains, 
a sewage main broke here in Ojai, and it dumped 14 million gallons. I don't even know how to say that. 14 million gallons of raw sewage got dumped into the river and eventually got dumped into the ocean. So all of my favorite surf breaks were just like on the Ventura water quality map, just red circles, like just don't go in the water. And people who did got like all sorts of infections and sinus issues and like nasty surfing in raw sewage. So it took a while. It was only like last week, midweek, when the surf and the advisory said, hey, the, the ocean has sort of cleansed itself, which is just stunning that the ocean can even clean itself up that quickly. Um, but it's safe to go back in the water. So Violet and I are having this absolutely fantastic discussion going to school, but I'm also going to drop her off and then go get in the ocean. So I am thinking about a bunch of things, and we're probably three blocks, four blocks from her school when <laughs> you know what I'm about to say. I see flashing red and blue lights. I'm like, ugh. Now, Violet and I were in a car accident a couple years ago. I did a whole Robcast episode on it, actually. And as soon as the, we were hit and the car got knocked and we're like, all of a sudden, sort of, I, I turn to Violet and I say, is this your first car accident? So as soon as I see the lights and then she sees the lights, I was like, is this your first time, is this your first time being pulled over? <laughs> I was like, because this is a whole thing we're about to go through. This is going to be really interesting. Uh, by the way... Let's just pause for a second, because I know some of you who are keeping track at home are like, wait a second, who manages to get pulled over in a three-minute drive? <laughs> That's almost like an art form. What can you do in that short of a drive to actually get pulled over? I literally have no idea. I'm sitting there with the red lights in my rearview mirrors like, I literally have not a clue what I did. I was so completely absorbed in this conversation, the Violet where I were having, and I'm gonna then leave and go out to the ocean. Oh, this is all the this this morning is just awesome. I literally was sitting there like, this is gonna be really interesting to see what I just did. And the officer comes up the car and she asks if I uh, did you you uh you in a hurry or something? I was like, well, actually, my daughter's a little bit late for school, and uh, so I guess I was just you know trying to get my daughter. Oh God, even now that I say that, it's embarrassing. Just trying to get my daughter to school. <laughs> I'm that guy. Oh, gross. <laughs> Trying to like, I should, oh, really? Try to get your kid to school? That's fine. She's like, yeah, because you, uh, man, you, you blew through some of those stop signs. At this point, I make the mistake of saying, oh, really? What stop signs? <laughs> what? I don't go, oh, I'm so sorry. I go, what stop signs? But apparently I had blown through a couple of stop signs. Oh, man. And so I say with utter, I mean, genuine sincerity, I'm like, I, I'm seriously, I'm like, I'm a good driver. Like, I, I generally stop at stop signs. I'm, I'm not that guy. But as I say it, I'm like, oh, my God, how many people have said to her, I'm not that guy? And as I say to her, I'm not that guy. I, like, I do stop at stop. She gives me this look. Like, she's, I was like, oh, my word. I was like, oh, my God everybody tells you they're not that guy, right? And she's like, yeah, everybody says what you're saying. So at that point, I'm just like, oh, God, just give up. <laughs> also, she pulled me over right in front of Bart's Books, which is this legendary bookstore that's outdoors. And 
so there's like walls, but then when you walk through the door, you're basically outside in among the bookshelves, but the walls of the bookstore are also bookshelves. So like you can just walk up on the sidewalk and take a book off the bookshelf, whether the bookstore is open or not, and then just put money in a slot. I mean, this bookstore... Yeah, if you've ever been to Bart's Books, you know what I'm talking about. It is Books are magical anyway, but an outdoor bookstore, yeah. So here we are in front of one of the best bookstores in the world, uh, having this conversation in which I'm like, I'm not that guy. Oh, my God, everybody says that. I guess I am that guy for saying I'm not that guy. And, uh, yeah, she then takes my license and goes back to her car. I was like, Violet, this is the part where she goes back, she plugs in my info like gets the skinny on me she says and then decides how much like what the ticket's going to be for and all that kind of stuff so violet and i just sit there chatting waiting and then she comes back and she says welcome to ojai rob have a nice day <laughs> yes yes Yes! And we drive away, and at the next stop sign, we stop. I mean, we come to a full stop. We sit there for a while, and then we keep going. So, shout out at the top of episode 337 to the officer who welcomed me to Ojai and did not give me a ticket. I greatly appreciate that. Shout out to Jason on the beach, making sure I know there's no skunks on that beach. <laughs> yes, shout out to all you people who make the world go round like that. Now, um, this episode, the title of this episode, it's called A Pair of Doxes. This title is too clever for its own good, but once, it gotten, once I got it, I couldn't let it go. This episode, I'm, all I want to do is point to two paradoxes. And what I've been noticing, especially because I've been doing these, these events in Ojai here, these two days in Ojai, is how many people who are experiencing these two paradoxes, but I've never he heard somebody name them. I'm sure somebody somewhere has. I just he never heard somebody try and name them. So that's what I'm going to do. All I want to do in this episode is name these two paradoxes, and uh, it's almost like a pair of glasses... And for you to put on, and then my guess is you're going to see it all over the place. But it, it, it really, really helps me make sense of a lot of things I've been thinking and feeling, but I've also noticed other people. Um, and you're already wondering, like, paradoxes, because it's two paradoxes I want to I give you, so it's a pair of paradoxes. And isn't a pair of paradoxes a pair of... God, see what I mean? It's so embarrassing. A pair of doxes? <laughs> But I'm laughing. So that tells us we're on to something. Uh, dates are up for future two days in Ojai. February, March, April, May, I think, all the way, yeah, next few months. Um, and we just did one last week, was it? Um, yeah, we sit under these oak trees, and people come from all over. And right away, it happens, like, in the first couple of minutes, um, you can see people realize what the experience is. And I'm telling you every time, it's like everybody, like find, it's like finding a frequency or finding a tone. It's like people find the groove and then we just go for two days. And yeah, yeah, lots of people actually make friends, like genuine friendships at these things because you find out that we're all doing these different things, but 
underneath it all, in many ways, we're all asking the same questions, following the same instincts, following, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. So this has been, whew, I just love doing it so much. So come join me under the trees in Ojai in the next few months. All that info is at my site. Then in the summer, we'll do a, some East Coast ones. For those of you who make it, uh, I'll come to you, you know, I'll come to post up at Rodale Institute and um, on the farm, and we'll do some two days there. My friend Liz Gilbert and I are going to be at Omega Institute in June. Um, oh, I should, I, should, I should mention this as well. Um, last fall, God, last year was, a, it was really difficult. I, uh, I don't know if I've ever been through such an extended, it's like so many things in my life were asking to die. Um, and if you numb that pain, if you avoid it, if you deny it, uh, it doesn't work. You, uh, that's been like the great, you know, the great curriculum of my life is to slow down and feel it all and not just to rush to the hopeful, buoyant, positive but to like slow down and actually feel it. Because um, to get to anything interesting, anything actually hopeful, you got to go through you know, the actual pain and grief and all that angst. Uh, but man, last year, whew, a whole bunch of things had to die. And it took a long time. It took a really long time. And of course, when you go through that, you come out the other side like, so free, like whole new worlds open up. But when you're in it, it just, God, it takes, it feels like it takes forever. But uh, partway through all that, I did, I made this audio book called Find Me a Straight River. And uh, it's about fear and failure. It's about, I basically observe how all of creation actually works, how there are no straight rivers. A river winds its way down a mountain. So where did you and I get this idea? Where did anybody get this idea that your life, like, that you just nail it right out of the gate? That if you look at how the whole thing works, uh, trees produce millions of seeds, and only a couple of those seeds actually become fully grown trees. But the tree would never call that waste. It's just how a tree is. So these, uh, these modern notions of waste, time, efficiency... Um, I should be farther along by now. I haven't really done much. All of this, it's almost like creation just laughs at that because it's just nonsense. Um, so, so Find Me a Straight River is all about learning to line yourself up with how all of the creation around you and within you actually works. And I, have, I give people these like exercise, like drawings to do while we're going along and so it's just been to the, the people, um, people have like been telling me what that, what those exercises and what those, uh, like those observations about how the world actually works, what it's been doing for them. And yeah, and then interesting that, but when I think about where that, that project came from, it came from my own, my own sense of failure, my own questions about what have I been doing? Was, what was the, what? Like <laughs> my own, sense of, uh, yeah, having to face a number of things about who I am and what I've done and what I haven't done and how I think about that and all, uh, like a whole, a whole bunch of ways of thinking and a whole bunch of, 
yeah, a, a number of things just had to die. And, and so anyway, that um, audiobook is like sort of what come out, came out of that. And it's so interesting for me now to see it resonating w- with many of you. Uh, yeah, isn't that fascinating how that works? Um, so um, you can get that at, at the site as well. What else is going on? The two new books, my plays, those are all those things are at the site. And, you know, as usual, we're, uh, we'll keep going. We'll keep making some stuff. But this right here, this episode, this episode is, is just these two paradoxes. And uh, I'm going to try to name them. I don't really think I even have much more to say beyond just trying to name them because it's almost like handing these lenses to you and then you'll... Um, perhaps this might help you. So here's the first paradox. The first paradox involves love and boundaries. So, So let's start there. Let's start here. What I've noticed is a rising fierceness among lots and lots of people about what you participate in, what you give your energies to, what you do with your life. Essentially, a new, for a lot of people, a new no, new no's are springing up. Like you used to be part of that. You used to be in that relationship. You used to go to that. You used to volunteer, serve. You used to give. You used to whatever. Um, And it used to be fine. It used to be how it is. It used to be uh, just what you do. And, or there are certain people who you've just always been a certain thing to them. They knew they could take from you, they could lean on you, they could, whatever it is. And yet, in the past while, something has risen up within you like a, like a no. Like, I, I don't actually um, want to do that anymore. I don't want to participate that in that anymore. I don't actually want to give my energies to that anymore. Does this sound familiar? It's like a, it's a fierceness. But here's what's interesting about it. It doesn't, it's not bitter. It's not angry. It's not resentful. It's not loaded with revenge. It's just a calm, mm no, not doing that anymore. Uh, I know every year we've been at that thing, we're not going to be there this year. I know generally on Thursdays, Sundays, whatever, we're there, but nah, mm-mm, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. You're not angry. You don't have issues. You don't need anything to discuss. And what's interesting is perhaps the people who are used to you doing that have had a little pushback. They've had a little, they're caught off guard. They're like, what happened? And it appears like, it appears less loving, but when you check yourself, you actually are more loving than you used to be. You, you actually have a greater sense of expansive love for everybody. You're, you're, it's, you're more quickly able to see yourself in everybody. You, you have less distance and separation and more a sense that we're all cells in the same body. So the paradox is, with greater love, compassion, empathy, understanding, connection, with greater love for everybody and everything, with that love has also come greater boundaries, a greater sense of fierceness about what you do and what you don't do, what you participate in, what you give your energies to and not. It's not selfish. It's just that your 
actually beginning to love yourself. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? The more wide, expansive, and all-encompassing your love is for everything and everybody, with that comes firmer, fiercer, clearer boundaries about what you do and what you don't do, what you interact with, what you don't interact with, what you give, what you don't give, who you will spend your time with, who you don't spend your time with. Isn't that fascinating? This paradox of greater love brings with it a clearer, greater sense of this is what I do and this is what I don't do. And especially, God, I, I swear I've seen this a thousand times. For those of you who have been the flight attendant to the world, you have these people around you who basically have been your life, and you gave and gave and gave, and somehow in the process of that, you managed to skip over yourself. People in the helping, healing, oh God, therapists, moms, spiritual leaders. We can go down that long list of people who you have always been geared towards others, but you're realizing that something about that, which was a beautiful, good thing, you ever so subtly over the years skipped over yourself. And so what happens is we begin to lose a sense of who we are because who we are is so shaped, our sense of self is so shaped and formed by these people that we are there for. Um, and so this rising fierceness is, wait, 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 wait. There, there's a me in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, well, let me just say this. For those of you who you find yourself pulling back from certain things, and maybe you've even got some heat, people being like, what happened, man? And even the accusation that somehow you've become whatever the word is, less loving your heart or whatever, like, no, 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 this isn't less love. This is counterintuitively, paradoxically, more love. Yeah, yeah. With More love brings with it, and especially when, when we're going to actually love ourselves, um, more love is going to bring with it more honesty. Yeah, that's what happens. When you actually are being more and more filled with love, and more and more love is the water that you're swimming in, with that comes more honesty. Yeah, that's one of the ways we love ourselves is we allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling. Yeah, yeah. You've been doing that for a while, and now um, mm -mm, you're not going to do that anymore. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have any energy for it. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 1,000% normal. Uh, yeah. Also, with more love, we become more aware of our vulnerabilities. Yeah. All the things that we did because we didn't want to be alone, because we wanted them to like us, because we wanted to be able to claim that accomplishment, because all the things that we did because that's what successful people or good people or whatever people do. Uh, as you get more tuned to this kind of love and you're more honest, you become more aware of your vulnerabilities, why we did what we did. And we realize, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. 
Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Yep. Mm hmm. A thousand percent normal. Also, this feeling like we always used to be there for everybody, flight attendant to the world, but we have this greater renewed or even just brand new sense of, wait, wait, I don't have to do any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, this rising fierceness about our boundaries, about what we participate in. Oftentimes, at first, at first, it can feel like you're letting other people down. Oh, but this is all part of the love. Yeah. What will they do without me? What will they do if I'm not always doing that thing I always did? Here's the thing. They'll probably be okay. They'll probably be okay. Yeah. So part of the love for ourselves that extends to everybody else that creates these new boundaries where we're not going to do that anymore is trusting that other people will be okay. They'll be okay. And if in, in the short term, perhaps they have a little disorientation because we're no longer playing this role that we played, they'll be that pain. And if that does cause them some sort of pain, um, that's their pain. Yeah, and maybe the pain is part of them owning something or growing up or learning that they thought they needed you for everything, but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Yeah, M maybe they actually have vast reserves of strength and resilience that they never had to tap into because you were always there going, I got it. I'll take care of it. No worries. I'll put this one on my back. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? The number of people I have run into or have sat across me in these sessions who are claiming this new strength about what they do and what they don't do, what you participate in, what you don't participate in, what you give your energies to, what you don't, and it actually comes from greater love. There is a new kind of love welling up within you, but what this love does is lead to these new boundaries that for some around you, perhaps, or even for yourself, because of how deep the conditioning and programming can go, can feel like, man, I used to be so loving and giving and kind and caring, and now I'm just sort of, no, 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 you're just recalibrating. You're just rejiggering the thing. You're just turning some knobs. Yeah, yeah, it's all gets totally normal, totally normal. Yeah, that is paradox number one. The more love that you are living in, the more boundaries you will have. The more clarity, the more resolve, the more spine, because you get to decide what you give yourself to, what you don't, what you participate in, what you don't participate in, what you do, what you don't do. What a fascinating paradox at the heart of this whole situation. Oh yeah, that leads to second paradox. And once again, just give you an outline here and take this and see what this does. Paradox number two, the more you know who you are, the more grounded you are in your sense of self, the more your sense of self becomes fluid, flexible, and limper. The more you know who you are, the more who you are is up for grabs. Yeah, that's it. That's the paradox. Yeah, you want to go try this? Great. You've always done that, but now you don't want to do that anymore? Okay. It's not because you don't know who you are. It's because you've come to understand that a self is largely 
an infinite presence with these temporary constructs, and you can swap them out if you want. You want to go learn that? Okay. Yeah. You never wanted that thing that you got trained to do that you're very good at, and suddenly you're realizing, I don't ever want to do that again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to. How fantastic is that? The more you actually know who you are, you're comfortable in your own skin, you've made peace with, you've passed, you've transcended and included, the more your sense of self is calm and at peace with who you are, the more that very same sense of self you realize is so limber and flexible. You want to go back to school, learn that? Fine. Yeah. You, you want to go over here and try that? Okay. Yeah, okay. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is why when you meet somebody who's like clings so tightly to certain things, like I only listen to jazz. I don't know where that example came from, by the way, that I only listen to jazz. But you know that thing when you're around somebody who's just like, I'm always late. Or they've built up these whole identities and something about it doesn't give you a sense that they know who they are. It's like they're clinging to the easiest possible temporary passing things. What if all of a sudden you listen to stuff beyond jazz? What if you get a watch, start showing up on time? You see how easy it is to grasp onto things for identity that, that are like so passing, so fragile, so frail, so temporary. But as you come to see, you can swap these things out all the time. You wanna go live there? Yeah, you could go live there. You want to sell most of your stuff and live on way, way less money so you're free to do other things? Okay. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You may even surprise yourself with suddenly realizing, oh, I'm terribly curious about whatever that is. I don't know anything about it. And suddenly you find yourself, yeah, sure, great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. And this one, mm. one of the traps of, and I'm doing super air quotes here, one of the traps of success or being good at something is how easily it can become entrenched in your sense of self and identity. Well, you know, and you, we can work it into conversation with people we're just meeting in all sorts of subtle ways. Well, you know, I'm actually a da 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 we know how to drop this. We're so good at it. Anybody you know, you know what I'm talking about? We're so good at letting people know our resume and all sorts of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I read that book when I was in Bali. I've never been to Bali. But you know what I mean? That like sort of humble brag that we do that just let people know. We got game. Yeah, we know. We're, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, when, yeah, that's part of the part of one of the dangers getting good at stuff and you'll see this you see some people have been the more successful a person is and the more the sense of self gets built around that then when that chapter ends that person actually has has more takes more work essentially more has to die so that the person can be open to what's new because often the thing that's arising that's new doesn't really care about our accomplishments. Yeah, the soul doesn't have a resume checker. <laughs> There's no LinkedIn of the soul. Yeah, the soul just wants to be alive. 
just is curious. It's open. It just wants to, yeah, it just wants to feel, yeah, yeah, it wants to feel all the feels. Yeah, it wants to be here now doing, yeah, having this experience. Yeah, so you'll notice perhaps you got good at something. And now, man, something's shifting, something's changing. But that sense of self is so rooted in, well, this is what I do. Maybe, maybe it was, yeah, it's what you did. But maybe it's something, yeah, but, but I mean, you know, I'm really good at it. I get paid for it. Okay, yeah, nice. And you're also miserable. So, yeah, letting go of that and trusting that there is something on the other side. Yeah, yeah, that can take that can take an extra bit of work. Yeah, the sense of self, who you are, what you do, what you like, what you don't like. Well, you know, I'm generally a person who. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a, that's a through line. Perhaps that's a. It also might be something that you used to do, and now you're going to be something else. The paradox then is the more grounded and centered you are in your sense of self, the more you realize that your sense of self is a fluid dynamic, limber, flexible thing. You can swap out. Yeah, you swap out identities. Well, I thought you were always in the... Yeah, I always was in that line of work. And then I was like, I don't know. But you've always lived in that... Yeah, now you do something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You swap that stuff out. Mm-hmm. You go try that. You can go do that. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps you're experiencing this. You're going through... And this is in the air. Woo is this in the air, the number of people who are rethinking everything, rethinking who they've been, rethinking what they used to call accomplishments, rethinking their identity shaped by this network of people and tribe and relation, all that. You're rethinking everything, and you find yourself having thoughts like, I actually think this is the next step. And then something kicks in like, no, I don't do that. How do you know? Maybe maybe you do. Yeah. So if you've been having that, that's actually why I'm doing this episode. If you've been having it recently, the sense of like, oh, wow, a couple of things have been up for grabs, but now I'm realizing how many things are up for grabs and how deep it goes. And you find yourself almost like a shudder, like, who even am I if I don't do that with them, there, how, that, whatever, I don't get paid for that, I don't get known for that, who even am I? And, and it can shake your sense of what the self is, or you can allow it to show you and teach you and shape you with, oh, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's at the heart of this paradox, is realizing that moment when you're like, who, who am I even that I'm considering making a change of that magnitude? Yeah, the moment you're asking those questions, it's actually not because you've strayed away from your deepest self. You're actually realizing that the deepest self, yeah, it exists so much deeper than all of these external things we grab hold of. And you can let go of them and, and take in new ones, and you can swap this and swap that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That disorientation that so many of you are feeling about what is even real? What does it mean to be a person? What does it even mean? What's even it mean to be good or successful or all that? That disorientation is actually the deepest soul speaking to you, going, do you see this whole construct game that people think is ultimate? Yeah, it's just a playing field. <laughs> yeah, it's just a playing field. You want to do something else? Great. Yeah, that disorientation is not because you've somehow wandered far from the deepest self. It's because you're tapping into what a self even is. 
Yeah, and the rest of it is just, yeah, so much more of it's up for grabs once you see how you can be so grounded and centered in who you actually are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so those are two paradoxes. That's a pair of paradoxes, which, of course, are called a pair of doxes. So take those. Take those for a spin around the block. See what you come up with. And uh, mm -hmm. that's what I got for you, my friends. I'm sending you all kinds of peace and love. And uh, I'll see you down the road.